0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menache, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. But first, a thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. Based in Boquete, Panama, International Coffee Farms owns and operates 10 specialty coffee farms. These farms are subdivided into half-acre parcels, many of which are available to people interested in owning offshore real estate. These can be purchased for as little as $18,000. Your land will be managed on your behalf and will produce cash flow in perpetuity. I've got to know the principles of International Coffee Farms over the last several years, and they run a quality operation. Have a listen to episode 121 with CEO and founder, Mr. David Sewell, where we talk about investing in coffee farmland as a safe and diversified offshore investment. To find out more, visit internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. Here on the Weekend Edition, we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We've got a notable person indeed. We're here
1: in downtown Nashville, Tennessee with Paul Kazanowski. Great friend. Great to see you. Hey, always great to be seen. I'm so glad I'm on this podcast. I've been seeing the growth of your podcast, and you do great work in the real estate field, so I'm excited to, to be a part of this thing here.
0: Well, glad to have you here on the show. Thanks, buddy. So, Paul, you know, you've been flipping here in the national market for- Quite a few years, yes, sir. Very different today from what it was back at the bottom of the market, 2011, 2012. How are you able to actually source new opportunities with the crazy prices that people are paying today?
1: Oh, it's it's it it is, and you're right about that. You know, I started way back in 2008 in the bottom of the market, and you know, it was an abundance of, of cherry picking. We could we could buy houses. In, uh, right off of MLS, but the way what we're uh, doing right now to get houses is we're doing a lot of direct mail. We're, we're finding the deals. We're finding the deals that are not listed. We're doing a lot of direct marketing. We're doing relationship building. We're we're buying off of uh, wholesalers, and some of the wholesalers that we buy from are actually some of the students that I taught how to go out and find these uh, between the cracks off market listings. And uh, it's, been, it's been, you know, difficult. It's a lot more difficult. People are paying outrageous amounts for houses out here because of the climb of the market, especially here uh, with the influx of people coming to Nashville. Well, that's right. I mean, it's insane. Nashville. Well, that's right. I mean, Nashville adding about 100 people a day is what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, there's about 100 people uh, a day coming in here. And, you know, there's the, the inventory is low, too, yeah. obviously. Obviously. Yeah.
0: So in that kind of an environment, obviously finding opportunities is more difficult but also I imagine you know, you're a volume flipper because you're you're not just yes. doing one or two projects at a time you're doing multiple projects at a time yes
1: we do about 20 at a time uh, give or take they're all revolving you know some are just being bought some are in the middle of the project some are in escrow and some are on the, on the market but uh, we can handle around 30 we're having problems uh, back in 2008, 9, 10, 11 we were doing 30, 30 plus sometimes now we're having problems keeping up about 17 to 20 so you can see the the pull but the good news is too don't cry for me Argentina (laughs) because the good news for us is when we do put a house on the market it sells for a lot more than we even thought we would get because The inventory is so low and the market's hot. So there is a yin and yang, so to speak, with the the market being where it is today. Sure. So
0: back then, back at the bottom of the market, you could buy things for far less than construction cost. It obviously didn't make sense to build. That's true. Today, how much of the balance is new construction?
1: Uh, Right now, we last year, last year, we did seven projects. Um, and as far as new home build, uh, this year we're probably going to hit 15. So we're looking to expand that division of our company. You know, it, it, unless, unless you know, like you guys, your your company are, are just doing astronomical amounts of building. For us, we're a smaller company, obviously. So for us to do 15, we, our goal is to hit 30 a year and then have 30... Um, new constructions and still keep around 50 to 55 um, just single family homes f- to flip right. older properties that we flip. So that's our goals. You know, our goals are um, you, where we keep the overhead low, but we're, we're I'm still in my business in terms of uh, I still have control of a lot of what's going on. Sometimes the bigger you get, sometimes you lose that control and- Bigger's not always better because you don't make as much money per deal that you do. You're so. working
0: harder, but not necessarily making more money. Exactly. Exactly. When you're looking at you know the the math for let's say new construction, you know there's there's a couple of ways to look at it. If you're building new product, let's say a 100, 120 bucks a square foot, yes, um, you got to probably exit that property north of two two hundred, two fifty a square foot in order to make decent money. Yes, obviously you're not going to be doing that in the core of the city. Your prices are going to be much much higher. Your cost of construction is not necessarily higher, but your land prices are much higher, and your cost of doing the developments higher what what fits your wheelhouse better? Do you prefer the suburban development? Do you prefer to do infill in the core of the city? What, what works best for you?
1: You know, I like the core of core of the city but here in nashville right now it's getting just outrageous with the prices of land i mean you know even as little as like two years ago we were still able to find those uh those deals to build right now everybody's just paying outrageous uh numbers but right now we we got some stuff going on in sumner county which is outside of nashville and we're getting i mean i just bought a uh, one acre piece of land for 35000 with the plans the septic and so on and we're gonna probably it's gonna probably cost us around $100 a square foot a brick Home too, and we use infill brick so that we can save money and paint the brick afterwards. And that's why we can do a brick home for a hundred dollars a square foot. But don't forget, too, I have relationships, I know where to shop. You know, we're getting uh, uh, still in this hot market, we're still able to build those relationships because I've been in the business for 10 years. People just getting in the business, they're not getting the prices that I'm getting, you know, they're paying a lot more for letting. Let's say tile and finishing cabinet products and, and granite. I'm still getting fairly decent product prices because of the relationships I built. And of course, negotiating and having in-house guys that work for you. Most of my guys work in our, in our company and we're not hiring just all outside subs and contractors. We are the contractor. Right, right. Uh,
0: you know, one of the plays that I'm seeing is, as material prices have gone up, I've seen a lot of players... Uh, start to source materials almost by the container load from China. You know, they're buying a yes. container load of quartz counters. They're buying, you know, a container load of tile, all that kind of stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that strategy? Uh, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about, in particular, buying hardwood flooring from overseas. What, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, you know, listen, it, it all depends on the level you're at. If you're on a level like myself, you can... You don't have to buy by bulk like that. I mean, the only thing we buy by bulk is roofing because I also have a roofing company, so I do buy a container full of roofing shingles. But if you're not going to utilize that and you're trying to save money, uh, it gets convoluted in your paperwork when you're doing a deal. Right. It's really difficult to keep up with the paperwork in the back office people and and when you're buying by bulk, you're putting out even more money because you're not going to get that on consignment. You're tying up inventory. If you're building, you know, a substantial amount, then it is a good play and I like that play because you're going to save money. But for someone that's us, like where we're doing 50 projects a year, you know, one one a week, it works out to. I don't think it's advantageous. You're just wrapping up money. And a lot of times, a lot of this stuff gets stolen, misplaced, hard to keep inventory. So unless you're a huge builder, you're building buildings, and guys like your company, Vic, and you guys are doing great stuff, that's something you guys could look into because you're doing such a volume of buildings so you can save that money. There's people and stores out there, if you look in the right... Place there's outlet stores and places that you could build relationship with management and owners that know that you're a buyer and you're a player in the game and you could negotiate with them and sometimes they might even store stuff in their um, in their own facility right right so it's not going to cost you storage uh, you know storage and the container fees and and shipping it over uh, China so that's my take on it you know
0: so if you look forward the next. Twelve months. How do you see this market turning? I mean, I you know, it's a lot of discussion about this expansion being in the fourth quarter and maybe a downturn coming. How are you positioning yourself so you don't get caught with your pants down, so to speak, uh, if if a downturn does hit us?
1: Well, for us, our company, we're we're a quick company. We're a quick turnover. We'll get a house, and within four months, it's sold. You know, we get in there, we get in, get out, velocity of money. For some of the new builds, it takes a little longer, so... We, it's all about buying right and everybody in real estate knows you make your money on the buy it's it's something universal of course, you yeah. hear it all the time but the thing is for us we're always positioning we don't over leverage um, you know not that uh, leveraging is a bad thing in real estate obviously leveraging does help you expand and grow your yeah, business yeah you need it to some degree you do need it to some degree but I, I like having some cash um, on the side and, and, and positioning yourself in a in a way of authority and in strength and by having some of that cash on the sidelines um, not on the sidelines but when you're in reserve you in reserve yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying it helps you as far as the market i mean I'd be Nostradamus to tell you, and I think for the last three years, everybody's been like, oh, it's going to go. It's going to go down. It's going to turn down. You know, somebody is going to say it at the right time and act like a genius. Um, I do believe it's got to level out. I don't believe it to be be able to keep rising. Look what happened in 2008. Do I believe it's going to crash like it did in 2008? Probably not. But I also do see... The banks being a very, uh, very easy, a lot more easy with their money, and when you see that kind of thing, and you see people overleveraging, it could be a bus coming. And uh, I always say, I always say this: I'm not Nostradamus, but it cannot rise the way it's rising without some type of correction, at least a correction.
0: Right, right. Well, in fact, you know, in to the, if you go back to 2008, we didn't actually have a real estate crisis; we had a debt crisis. That's true, and the debt crisis is—you know—when you take all that liquidity out of the market, and that money is no longer available for people to buy. The only f- folks left are cash buyers, and that's why prices fell. Is because the the
1: supply-demand equation simply changed overnight when the when lending simply dried up. I agree, I agree, and people always say it was a real estate crisis. it really wasn 't, and I love the way you brought that up because a lot of people say it 's the real estate market that busted. no, no, it was a debt, everybody was over leveraging their whole life right and you know and i 'm starting to see that a lot now too, and it 's scary it
0: is scary, and i, I don't i don 't see it necessarily in the real estate market per se as not, at least not. It's not over-leveraged in, in my estimation, um, where I see the risks are in two areas. One is corporate debt, and the second is government debt. You know, you talk about Italy, Spain, Greece, Argentina. Uh, with the next crisis, I believe, will be debt-driven, and it'll be some wave of defaults, maybe sovereign debt, maybe corporate debt. Not sure which one it'll be first, but it'll definitely be something like that. I mean, you've got companies... I talked about this earlier this week on the podcast, companies like Netflix and Tesla that have never made a penny of earnings that only exist because of the availability of debt. And, yeah. and, and in order, their very survival is dependent on a continued borrowing. They don't have the cash flow to service their existing debt.
1: I agree. right? I so agree, I yeah. think
0: that's where it's going
1: to happen. And I like I always say too, even on a like a personal note, like obviously, you know, you're talking about these mega companies and uh, mega building builders and stuff. But for, you know, just a lot of you guys listening to this uh, to this broadcast you might be a smaller business I always say I like leverage but be aware to not over leverage and use the profits that you make to grow your money. Be smart with the money and I think that's why we've been a profitable company ever since we started because we we have that philosophy you know I, know I own a lot of rental properties but those rental properties are either free and clear or they have at least 50% to 35% down on that property, even on a building that's cash flowing, I take a lot of that principal cash flow and put it towards the principal, and uh, you know, because one day we all retire, one day we want that portfolio to be strong and it, it be on concrete and yep. not based on sand. Well, in fact, if you if you think about it, just from a
0: strategic point of view, the number of doors that you need in your portfolio to fund your retirement. If they, if you own them free and clear, you don't need very many units not at all. Not many. Yeah, it's really not that's, many. It's like less than ten. That's right. That's right. You can make very, very good money. That'll cash flow like a beast. Whereas if you're, if you're dealing with properties that are highly leveraged, you might need three or four hundred. To
1: achieve the same cash flow. That's well said and well put. And you know, it's what you want out of your life. Obviously, you know, we talk about real estate. There's so many ways to skin a cat. When we were talking at lunchtime, I was saying, you know, there is no right, there is no wrong. You know, like I said, I'd be Nostradamus to tell you when the the crash is going to happen. We've all been predicting it for several years now. So somebody's going to say it right at the right time, and and they're going to be the genius. Um, like i said you know i i always i never claim to be the smartest guy in this business remember i i started with nothing i come from humble beginnings and you know i i'm just a businessman entrepreneur uh, i was i was kind of like a street guy that did well right. in in life and so you know there's a lot of these numbers and facts and computers and tech people that are just so much more brilliant in their in their field but for a guy like me i just know what i know and i do what i know know and I protect and preserve that money in real estate and so you know I stayed I stayed the course I'm not all over the place like a lot of people they want to do Se- several different things they want to buy buildings they want to do single family they want to be a landlord they want to do subject to they want to own or finance and all this stuff i say for those people listening to this is find what you love in the real estate game because there's so many angles absolutely and and find what you're good at and stay in that lane and become the best at what you do yeah that's in that lane
0: exactly very sage advice yes yeah. Well, Paul, always great to connect face-to-face. Um, Thank you, buddy. Beautiful day here in Nashville. We've got uh, we're having a great time. We've got the Country Music Awards coming up the next couple of days. The, the whole town is just buzzing and you got
1: a pretty fairly big meeting with some of these country music people too that's true i'm pretty proud of you i've I've watched your growth over the years i've known you probably eight years now and uh we've been friends ever since and i've been watching your growth and seeing your company and it's it's astronomical what you guys been doing i'm proud of you buddy well thanks paul awesome great to
0: catch up and for the listeners Uh, That wraps up another weekend edition. Have a great rest of your weekend. Make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.